at one point I made a course on how to use like a music production software. And I don't know if there's any production software out there that had more free videos already available <laughs> on YouTube that were better than what I was producing. So I fast forward, I'm probably 23 years old at this point and I go, this was like my retirement plan and from the start it was doomed and now I am totally screwed. Hello fellow risk takers and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy's online course, how to start building your wealth, investing in the stock market. I wrote this course for those who want to go from feeling frustrated, intimidated, or overwhelmed by the stock market to becoming confident and in control of their financial future. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount now. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest, Andrew Muller. Andrew, are you ready to rock? Hey, I'm ready to rock, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so I'm going to introduce you to the audience. I have to say that I was really excited to get you on the show because you are an expert in a subject that's so hard for a lot of people like me, particularly for finance people, people that have it all. We understand the numbers, but we don't understand marketing and reaching the market and all that. So let me read your bio before becoming a marketing entrepreneur, Andrew worked for Microsoft in their pay-per-click division. His company, Andrew Muller Creative, now specializes in a new type of hyper-agile market testing called the Market Testing Incubator, where he's able to test hundreds of ideas in a month. His average market test costs $2.63, which is about 50 times 50 times cheaper than the industry standard. His ultimate goal is the idea of lowering lead costs. He helps clients who are spending thousands of dollars on media buying a month, but are not getting the return on the investment that they need to recoup that spending. Andrew, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Yeah, well... <laughs> I kind of developed, I think just talking about how I got into that is probably, probably a good place to start. I did quite a bit of marketing work across the decade with strategies that were given to me from the top down. And have you ever heard that story about the company who's shipping out toothpaste and they keep having QA problems where the boxes get shipped empty, the clients are mad at them. And so, you know, they put out the RFP, they spend like $10 million on this fancy scale solution that puts alarms out if anybody, if, you know, if a box goes out empty. And then within a few weeks, they find that it stopped working and they go down to the, they go down to the floor and one of the employees has just put a fan in front of the belt. So all the empty boxes blow off because they're so annoyed by this alarm that keeps going off. <laughs> it's like a $20 solution that competed with their $10 million solution. It's like, well, if you just talk to somebody on the floor, instead of doing this top-down bureaucratic approach, which you know is an organized way to uh, get things engineered, like maybe you did not need an engineering solution. I got a lot of marketing campaigns like that where I'm sitting here on the ground floor being like, well, I know how the, I know the software works. I know how the platform works. 
I can see the numbers and I can see the way people are interacting with our ads and none of this makes any sense, but I don't have the authority to change direction. It's like, you're trying to sell a product that doesn't have enough margins on it to actually be profitable. I can be the best marketer in the world and I cannot fix this without some more authority over the process. So mm. I moved into strategy where I was able to start planning this. My success rate went up significantly when I was able to spend, hey, eight or 10 hours with a client doing a full discovery process, planning out a proper strategy for their business. But what would happen is you'd spend three or four months working on this strategy and then a few more months working on the project itself. And you'd launch this project. And then on day one, you'd have your fingers crossed going, well, I hope it works. I, I hope the strategy we picked works. Like I'm, I'm using you know, industry standard knowledge and theory to make this happen. And it always worked better than what they had before. <laughs> but to really blow it out of the park, I realized there's something missing here. And, it's, and there needs to be some sort of pre-market vetting to happen before we decide to launch it, right? If mm. you're gonna, sometimes you'd launch some lead magnet, which is like you see on the internet that it's download our free ebook or whatever, seven ways to improve your stock market investing or something like that, right? And usually the person gets you in on an email list and sells you something later. And what I found is that that was the biggest difference between a winner and loser was just the headline. And to put one of these books together, I mean, you have to pay a writer, you got to pay a graphic designer to do the Adobe InDesign to do the layout and then like build a cover for it. And then you have to build a landing page. You've spent like $4,000 and maybe it's a terrible concept that nobody is even interested in. I've never um, done that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, like I, I had an accounting client last year and we did some, like we had a bunch of different lead magnet ideas and our worst one was $25 a lead to bring in a lead. And our best one was $2 a lead. And it was like, we didn't even do anything yet. Like all we did was just test out the uh, headlines. And wait a minute, like, just stop for a second. Cause for the average person listening, who's a business person, they've devoted themselves to their idea. They're trying to bring it to market. You're just explaining things that are just so simple that they're even hard to understand that something so simple as testing something before I even have, let's say the product, like just right. the headline. I mean, come on, that's crazy. Tell us more. Yeah, yeah. yeah everybody, I always find that people are, are worried about that. They, they, well, what about the people who click on that ad? And it's like, dude, like six people are going to click by the time I shut it off. Like, I, I mean, I'm not, this is kind of part of the hyper agile thing. Like usually- yep. People are going to drive a lot more traffic. Oh yeah, we can conclude this is a statistically significant test. It's like, buddy, like this is not science. <laughs> like we are, we're trying to make a profit here and there's, there's a science to business, but there's also an art and so, this is so, kind of so, trying to merge so the two. Let's talk about that for a second. So what you're talking about is the concept of kind of AB testing and going out there. And one of the questions that people ask is, you know, oh, what if I go out and say that I'm going to offer something or give something or do something and I don't actually have it. And then I find out that, oh, it wasn't really as attractive as I thought. So now I've got to tell those people that, well, I'm not going to do that. And I would say, first thing is, the first thing that you've said is, well, wait a minute, the one that doesn't work isn't going to have that many people anyways. Right. You know? yeah, so it's, it's, you're not going to disappoint a lot of people, number one. And I would say, number two, is that if you really want to do something to mitigate that, say, unfortunately, I wasn't able to offer this, but here is a free gift or here is something one of my other products that, you know, as an apology or something like that to give, you know, you could do that. So if someone yeah. was hyper concerned about their reputation in that sense, you could do that. But anyway, if, 
if you had no tolerance for risk, as far as people, like, like just a few people seeing that, you could do that. I would say like the general argument I would make with an agile methodology is that you should drop that attitude. Like that attitude is, is going to destroy you like just by attrition yep. over time. There's so much opportunity cost lost. And the general principle is that, I mean, it's the 80, 20 thing, like everybody's talking about, I, I don't know if I need to define that here, but instead of trying to get that 99% certainty, let's just get like 80%. And some of our tests are going to be wrong because we don't have enough, but we're going to run 200 times as many tests. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, I had 20 false positives, but I had 200 winners and let's just pretend each winner is a 2% increase in your, okay. uh, in your efficiency or like a 2% decrease in your costs. Speaking of the word too, I think about two ways to kind of finish this discussion. The first way is one idea that I was thinking about is maybe for the average person out there who is just getting started in launching products and all that, maybe you could just give them some advice from your experience to say, here's one or two things that really make a difference, number one. And then for number two, for someone like myself, as an example, who has products, I'm out in the market, but I would love to figure out how I could access your services and understand more about how I could tap into your knowledge on that. Maybe you can also just explain like what your company does and what type of person or company it's suitable for. Right. Well, do you mind if we just use you as a case study first? Sure. And so like I, I promise I won't cry with all my mistakes I've made in my <laughs> Well, that's what that's why we're here, right? So uh tell me something that's on your horizon. You mean like a product or a, yeah, a, a product or a service or a so book a, or a, some a, content? My newest product is a course for the average manager of a company, how to understand financial statements. And that is called Finance Made Ridiculously Simple. Okay, great. So you have a headline there, Finance Made Ridiculously Simple. So what I, here's what I would do. I would go on Facebook and I would run that headline. And if you want, you can run it with like an image of yourself or something like that. Right. You can just make it super, super simple. It doesn't really matter what mm. the traction is because you're going to run something else and you're going to compare the two. So if they both do terrible, but one does less terrible than the other, then you know to, to go in that direction. Okay. <laughs> and then kind of iterate upon that one. So, and how, so, how different, how would I come up with that other title? Would I come up well, with something that's like completely different or would I just try to change a name? Like I would try, I would so change the, a word. The, what we try to say is if you're looking for a needle in a forest, first make sure you're in the right forest. <laughs> then check the trees, then the branches, then the leaves. If you're at the right leaf and you need to find a needle, it's pretty easy actually. Mm. So like, what's the forest? What's the biggest change that we can make? So I would make it dramatically. So finance made ridiculously simple. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like got kind of, there's a bit of levity in that title, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's meant to, it's meant to say, Hey, you're used to these stodgy sort of finance books, but this is actually going to be fun. Mm. So you've yep. taken the fun approach. So yep. what I would try is taking a not fun approach, like try maybe more of a benefit laden approach. So like, what's the biggest benefit that someone will have from reading your book or, or sorry, they, taking the course? They're going to be able to be a better manager, a manager that can understand finance. They can understand their CFO. They can understand the finances of a business. Okay. So they have a boss. Yep. Okay how to start impressing your boss with your finance skills or something like that, right? right? Like, like yep. find some motivation that they have, like a, a big, a big motivation for my clients. Like usually I work with clients that, you know, they're spending at least 
or they want to be spending at least $5,000 a month on, on yep. ads and they're ready to rapidly scale their business. They're like, we're ready to hire the salespeople to handle the incoming leads. We are like, you know, so it's like, hey, we as like three lawyers and we don't want to hire anyone else. It's like, that's yep. not the right, that's not the right client for that particular service. Although I do yep. do some basic management as well for the right person. So what I find that motivates people is like, sometimes there's marketing directors at a larger corporation who want to work with me. So one of the phrases that I found was, I'm afraid my boss won't trust me if I mess up the paid media strategy. Right. Like that was a really weird, like people really responded to that ad that I put out. And it's kind of weird because they're not really ads. They're just statements, but people will click on them if they grab their curiosity. So what you're saying there, what you're highlighting is the, the pain. Yeah. Yeah. That's an example of something you could, you could try and you could see, are people more motivated by the finance being fun or are they more motivated by the pain aspect? I mean, I've been copywriting for a long time, which is writing to sell, writing to right. persuade. And they always talk about how fear is actually a very powerful motivator. But until I started this sort of testing strategy, all of a sudden it was so easy. It was like, hey, this ad 10 people clicked on and this one, one person clicked on. And the same amount of people saw it, like 400 people say. So like um, another one would be, you're never going to get promoted until you understand finance or, you know, or something. Uh, yeah. Or until you understand these five principles about finance or something right. like that. To, so that is not just a clickbait title. Like it's, a, yep. I mean, there's a little bit of a clickbaitiness to it. But and then actually, would you, would you okay. send them to uh, some sort of, I mean, well, I, when I understand putting something in front of an audience, but then what would I do next? I would just send them, send them to your domain. Of I course. mean, like yeah. now we're getting really into the, into the nitty gritty of it, but yep. um, there it is. Yeah, I uh, like. I wouldn't worry too much. Like, say you have like five people click on that ad, yep. like five people yep. in, out of like a seven billion. Uh, <laughs> like it's you know, like you really haven't saturated your market with something broken here or anything like that. They're gonna go to the website. They're gonna be like, oh, they probably screwed up the URL or something. You know, I'll just go <clears> back and continue yep. what I'm doing. It's not really like a huge deal. What I find like at that level of testing, like you're not even gonna have anybody sign up for anything. Like yeah. You're just seeing if they even respond. So you really don't need to worry about people signing up. Mm. Uh, so you can send them to a landing page that had like a lead magnet. And maybe the lead magnet was the wrong title because you had been running three or four or 10 tests. Right. So the other thing you can do is you could always put on the thank you page. Thanks for signing up. We're currently building this. Yep. Uh, keep in yep. touch. You yep. know, something, just something like very un, unoffensive. <laughs> so now so let's go to the next step which is that let's say there's a guy like me i've got a medium-sized business i'm trying to grow it the truth is i hardly have the time to do that and to, to follow that up and i'm going to make all kinds of mistakes along the way of, and wasting money and time how would someone like myself use your services or or uh, is, your, is your services for someone like myself yeah i mean that that sounds like about about the right person like typically I mean, I work with startups. I find like startups who've just gotten investment round. They're like, hey, in the next six months, we need to penetrate the market. We need to have a message that penetrates. And like a good message, like people, oh, we need to get our messaging strategy right. Like, what does that mean? It's like, I can tell you what it means because I'm in the interface. Facebook ads is just, I use all the ad platforms, use Google ads and LinkedIn and whatnot. Facebook ads is really great because you get fast feedback and their algorithm tells you about people very mm -hmm. It's like I'm reading matrix code at this point, you know, right. like, oh yeah. I get it. Um, so, <laughs> so what's really interesting about that is a good message, like 
I'm just giving some examples. Don't hold me to them. Is like, yep. we're paying a dollar per click for every person that comes to our website. An amazing message, like six cents a click. Right. Like that's, that's the difference between a good messaging strategy and a poor one is getting 20 times the traffic or 15 times the traffic for the same cost. And what, what level of spending would someone have to be at to use your service? Yeah, I, I think at like in, you're getting into like the five or 10K a month range. Usually when I start testing, I'll do like a six to eight weeks of like just testing. So it's like, we're not trying to drive leads here. We're just testing a lot of different messaging. And then we take, we call our winners gold coins. It's like, these are the ones that people really respond to. These are the warm messages that people just can't help, but they just want to know. Yep. And now we, so we, we got our bag of gold coins and then we start, and then we build like your landing page. And it's like everything on that landing page is like been something that's tested and won. And now I'm like reading heat maps to see how people go through, Oh, everyone's dropping off right after the above the fold. Why don't we put like one of our winning he headlines right under there to keep people reading or, you know, and you can test anything, videos, yep. testimonials, problems that your avatar has solution, the way you phrase your solution, like everything is worth testing ultimately we're building a sales funnel. Like right. it's not, it's not that complicated. Like it's like I market testing incubator is a term that I tested that people really, really responded to. So I use it. Yep. And what, one last thing then for the listeners out there who want to use your service, want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Probably email. Like my website is andrewmullercreative.com. Yep. M-U-L-L-E-R, M for Mary. So uh, my email is andrew at andrewmullercreative.com. And I, I have a booking link on my website as well. It's a very, like, I'm a very one-to-one -one kind of salesperson. I don't, this is a very difficult skill to scale. <laughs> you know, even people have been doing marketing for a decade is just very, very hard for them to learn. So it's like, I work with a pretty limited number of clients. Okay. So for the listeners out there, you've got that andrewmullercreative.com. And also I'll put all that in the show notes so you can go there. And I, I just have to sneak in one last little question. Yeah, go ahead. Why is it that a person like me who's searching around for a person like you, why is it so hard to find the person that can really bring the results? I mean, it's not hard to find the people that say they can bring the results but it's hard to find the people that can really bring the results. But you know, if I, if I want to hire an accountant, I can just say, all right, put out an ad in the newspaper, hire the accountant, bring him in, sit down right next to me and let's get this rolling. Right. Any other position, but for this position, it's like, if I want to say, okay, I want to find somebody that understands pay-per-click or that understands how to build that funnel and all that. I can't find them. I, it's very hard. Why? That is a, honestly a big question. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take some time to articulate it. But I mean, the first thing I would say is what I've learned is there is a lot of different lateral skills that go into being able to do this. Like just knowing the interface is not anything, right? Like experience is such a humongous portion of it because it's like, let me tell you about an insight that I've noticed. B2B, way harder to market than B2C. Business to business, like you're trying to find somebody inside a certain company, you're usually talking about a skeptical, educated audience, and it's very hard to reach them where they are. It's like almost like they contact you. I'm not saying that this is how it has to be, but like when I'm reading those heat maps, for example, like getting those people to scroll compared to like B2C, like you're selling some consumer app or a consumer product. It's like sometimes the first version I put out on a B2C one does really good. And like people are like, 
ingesting half the page and I, I you know I only have to make five or six variations and it's like damn I cracked this page it's like mm. B2, b2b audiences I just made, made 60 variations and I just got them to start scrolling one pixel down the page like they're very difficult to market to and is it because b2c is is really focusing on a person is has individual pain that they want to solve as opposed to company pain and you know there's a lot of different moving parts to that and I'm not sure if that's exactly why it is. I think that, I think part of it is that that audience has been earmarked as expensive. Mm. Like though, usually people like, like if you want to say you want to target somebody who has a high income, like you're just going to pay a lot yep. to target that person. So Facebook kind of does that to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, LinkedIn, same like LinkedIn, it's like average cost per clicks are five to $10 a click. Right. Um, because it's all business people. And, you know, you start to compare that to other platforms. It's actually not that out of line with when you, oh, like on Google, I know this guy getting a dollar a click. It's like, yeah, but is he marketing to businesses or is he marketing to like an individual trying to renovate their house? Right. Very, very, very different sort so of this, thing. This, this idea that you've just talked about how one of the reasons why it's hard, it's because it requires very different skills, such as you may be very analytical and you can set up the ads and you can set up the analysis, but you may be really bad at, at language. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you're bad, you're bad at the psychology of selling or, or this, and what I brought up with the B2B and B2C is a strategy component. It's like, listen, I've, I've dipped my fingers in a lot of different mm. accounts and I've noticed, why is this one so hard? Damn, this thing is hard. Like I've yeah. been working on this for months and I can't crack this. And you start to like, see those, you start to see those patterns, right. And, and you're, and you're able to make insights from them, which is like your, one of your key talents as an entrepreneur is being yep. able to make insights. So, yeah. So why you can't find that person is I like, I don't think there's very many of them that exist. Yep. And most, most of the B2B people, it's like, well, we've never created a marketing funnel. We don't, we don't. And it's like, oh, okay, well, so you're doing something new and experimental. You're basically a startup, even if you've been in business for 50 years, because you're doing something that's completely new. You have no proven track record. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm fine to do something experimental, but it will be hard. It will be like starting a business all over again. But what's the benefit? You don't have to focus. You don't have to be completely counting on referrals anymore. Yep, yep, it's like yep. you, you, you actually can take control of your scalability rather than just waiting for it to happen naturally. So well, that's, that's the goal at the end of the rainbow. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, don't miss this opportunity. Andrew is very accessible. You can go to Andrew. Muller Creative. He's got his email up there. He's got his booking link up there. Contact him and see if he can help you. I know it's an area that's a challenge for me, and I know it's a challenge for a lot of other entrepreneurs. But now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it, and then tell us your story. Right. So I have, um, I mentioned the word attrition earlier, and that's a very thematic word that's going to tie into my story. <laughs> so um, wearing you down. Yes. Yeah. Like just, just over time and everything culminates all at once. And you realize what's happened. You look back, oh, seven years went by and look at what, oh, this has been happening to me the whole time. And, you know, and you didn't even notice it. So it's not, my story is not quite as dramatic. I've seen some of the stories. Oh, I lost $200,000 on this real estate investment. And like, you know, I've got my, my, I'm clawing my eyes out, just sitting in the rain. And, uh, you know, it's is more death by a thousand cuts. Mine is more death by a thousand cuts. So it's a bit of a mistake of youth, but I, uh, so 
I guess the context going, I'm, I'm 16 years old. I'm about to graduate high school. Now it's, you got to work, bud. The last summer, like if people aren't watching on video, like it's like you and I have probably kind of a similar build. Like I'm not, I'm not doing construction, man. Like, <laughs> like you know, so I, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, how can I not drywall? That is all I can focus on. When I graduate, now it's time to pay rent. Now it's time to pay bills. Like that's just kind of the family thing. What am I going to do? And that's, and that's how I started my career really was I'm going to use my brain and do something. So do you remember Google AdSense? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's not as common anymore. It used to, but it used to be real hot, a real hot way to make money. So the idea was like you build a content website, lots of rich content, you get high traffic numbers and it's like 5,000 people a day, sort of, sort of traffic. And then you just like, you, you know, you run the Google AdSense and that's like the retirement plan. And this is what I'm going to do like for the rest of my life. So being a young person, I chose a niche that you can never make any money at uh, music. <laughs> so uh, immediately a very difficult to monetize. I mean, there are some guys doing it these days who have, who have like good like music courses, how to market your band mm. and stuff. And maybe they're like $1,500 for the course. So like some people have figured out, but it's like you're marketing to people who have no money, most likely. So very little market research. And anytime I ran into market research that went against what I wanted to do, I just did what I wanted to do instead. <laughs> so it's like, oh, maybe, maybe we should start this whole column about this. Let me see what else is going on. There's no data on this whatsoever because nobody cares about this and nobody even wants it or has even considered wanting it ever. It's like, well, I'm going to spend six months doing it anyways, because that's what I think I should do. At one point, I made a course on how to use like a music production software. And I don't know if there's any production software out there that had more free videos already available <laughs> on YouTube that were better than what I was producing. So I fast forward, I'm probably 23 years old at this point and I go, this was like my retirement plan and from the start it was doomed and now I am totally screwed. <laughs> and it's like, I, because I've invested all my skills into this thing that doesn't work now. I mean, luckily some of those skills were transferable, but the whole idea was never to work for clients initially. I mean, when you're 16, what do you know? You're an idiot, yep. you know, and I transitioned and it, and it turned into the thing where it's like, okay, well now I'm working. Now I'm that guy at the bottom, given getting the strategies given to me and I'm not in control, which drives me a little bit nuts. If the person above me is not competent, if they are, then who cares? Can you remember the kind of the, the moment at the age of 23 or so when you realize this isn't going to work. Yeah, I was starving. Uh, <laughs> I can remember I, that I was, moment. Yeah, I, um, yeah, because I had, I had to, I had to work a few jobs at the time and I was on EI and it was my, that's in Canada, that's employment insurance. I think it's yep. probably called different in the States. So just making no money at all, like just enough to, I remember one time I ate vegetarian for an entire week and it was an accident. I wasn't like a moral thing or like trying to be healthy. It was just like, well, I guess that's what I can eat is on leftover portobello mushroom borscht, four days old. I've eaten this every day and man that is a bad meal to re-eat. <laughs> like you don't want to eat a, a meal with lots of mushrooms in it four days in a row. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sitting there and it's like my last month of EI. And it's like, I am going to have no money on my, I'm living off of like $650 a month total, uh, like living in a commune just so that I can have cheap enough rent. And it's like, I'm totally screwed. And I just, I gave up on that dream. 
And you know what? It was the right thing to do. I should have given up on that dream. It was a dumb dream. It was a great start to like an entrepreneurial career of saying, okay, you're not going to drywall like everyone else in your family or do like a blue collar mm. trade. Like you're going to do something because you're, that's just not how you are. It's like, I grew up, I had asthma and stuff. Like I was like right. that kid, yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. So then what, what did you learn from this and kind of how did you turn this into what you became? Well, the next month I started working for other people at agencies. I was like, I have all these skills. I've done everything in internet marketing. I've done email marketing. I've written a 500 article website. Yeah, I've done paid ads. I've done marketing strategy. Like I've, I've really done everything, automation and this or that or anything. So all that was not lost. Go. Yeah, it's like it, it all wasn't lost. But I thought like, damn, man, like this is uh, this dream is not good. <laughs> mm. And it's like and I should have noticed it right away. So, well, I learned a lot of things. I mean, this is definitely an early planting experience for what I do now. Yep. You know, I had, I had a period of probably about four years, like I said, where I was I'm working for other people and I'm like, and really at that point, you're just diagnosing the problem. You're like, this is what's wrong with this industry. This is what people are doing wrong. They get a bright idea and then they go to market with that bright idea because someone on the board liked it. And it's like, nah, man, like you got to focus on your customers always. So I think that, I think that my story is one where I am the type of person, like I'm, I'm, I'm a flat out ADHD guy. And one thing that can do is make you really rigid in your thinking. Mm. You know, you get one idea and you stick with it for 10 years, which is not really good. So, but you know, it's like, it's kind of like the story of the guy who gets brain damage and then wins a memory competition, you know, because he's trying that much harder because he has this personal thing to overcome. So yeah, I've ground my teeth to dust trying to make myself be agile. It's like, stop going in that direction. It's not working immediately. Like, look for the signal from people. You talk to people. And I mean, like, I sent you my bio and you were like, hey, I'm really into this. Like, I can't wait to talk to you. And yep. that is the difference between pivoting really quickly and not pivoting really quickly is like, as soon as you, you get that feedback and you go, okay, I'm going to keep going in that direction. Or you get that feedback and you like, I think the lesson is just about putting your own ego aside, which you can never even recognize. Like pride <laughs> is the hardest thing to recognize because it's just your lens. Like that's just how the world is, is that I'm right about these things. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, why can't people see this? <laughs> so yeah, like starting with what the market wants and people say this all the time and you go, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that market research. It seems really boring. I like this thing that I'm doing. So I'm just going to spend a year doing this failing thing instead of spending one day of market research to just pivot my, my direction a lot. And it's like, it's definitely that like uh, ounce of prevention is like a pound of cure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cure. Right. That's that, that's the saying. Yep. And that's why I think Facebook's ads is so amazing because it's like you've been given this think tank of people who don't know you're watching them and they're just going to click on things they find are interesting. And this is a way that you can test the market, pick an audience that's somewhat similar to the people that you would want to market to, and then just compare your own numbers to each other. Like you can do it wrong and it will still be a million times better than doing it. Not at all. Yep. So let me summarize a few things I take away. When I think about the way marketing is done by most people, most companies, and I would say by myself, I can imagine I, if I was to set up a marketing company, I know how, I know, I just figured out what I would call it. Thank you for calling WIM Marketing, where we come up with our marketing ideas on a whim. 
Uh, I think you might want to market test this, uh, <laughs> this one and see, and, <laughs> see what and people how, think. How many times do I just come up with, on a whim, I come up with an idea and I just put it out there and say, right. and as opposed to welcome to Agile Marketing, welcome to Andrew Miller Creative, where we truly test your ideas so that you don't waste your time pursuing unprofitable ideas. So that's the first thing that I'm thinking about is just the idea of change your way that you're thinking for the listeners out there to focus on testing your ideas and taking your ego out of it, as you said. The second thing is it reminds me also of a personal story. When I, when I got out of high school, I didn't have any money. My parents said, time to be on your own. So I basically worked in a factory and I worked there for a while until it drove me nuts. And then I, I took other jobs and then eventually I figured I would go back to school. But then I went back to school at university. I, I, I somehow got someone to, from the, the state of Ohio to give me a little bit of money to go into school. And then after one term, one semester, I decided this isn't for me. I mean, come on, I can outsmart this. And so I quit and I went to work for a company selling, I was selling electronic assembly. We were going to give us your blueprints and we're going to assemble your electronic products and stuff like that. And so I went to sell for these guys and it was brutal. I mean, it was brutal. And cold, it was, cold calling, cold knocking, cold calling, cold knocking. It was all draw. There was no salary. And I worked for like four months and I got, I finally did get a customer that was a big customer and I brought them and then they started getting that customer. And then at the end, these guys didn't want to pay me. Oh man. And I had to go in and fight with the CEO and got some miserable outcome of that. And that's when I can literally remember going into my car at that time and thinking, I've got to get educated. I just, I'm not going to be able to survive if I don't have something to, to add. And, and I've just got to go back to school. And that was when I, I started to go back to school. So you, you reminded me of that moment. And that moment was a motivating force. And I've studied all the way up to PhD in the area of finance. So I really use that as a motivator. Sometimes getting boxed into a corner that I boxed myself into. I could have just listened to other people's advice, but right. I want to yeah, but they don't, they don't know. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know how it feels being boxed into a corner. Well, I told you what to do. So you're not boxed into a corner, but anyway, you got to come up with it. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the reason I brought up, I brought up that story too, is like to think about where are you still acting like you did in your youth, like, you know, cause nobody develops every part of every part equally, right? Like you yep. still leave some of those behind. That's the challenge for the listener out there. What can you take from Andrew's story to kind of give you a wake up call that, Hey, I'm being too obstinate in a particular area. And this discussion, it doesn't have to be marketing, but it's the idea of opening yourself up. And that, that brings me to my final takeaway. And this one's going to be a little bit maybe controversial, but what I would say is that there's a great saying in the world of marketing or in the world of quotes, which is revenue is proof of concept. Right. So yeah. It's a great saying because, you know, you can come up with an idea, test it and all that, but if you can't get somebody to pay for it, then the concept just doesn't work. And so, but I've, I've added a second part to that quote. And I say, that most people don't realize is that revenue is just the beginning. Running a business means right. there's a lot of steps to delivering that product. There's a lot of steps to how you continue to market that product. 
the human resources of managing the people involved, the accounting, all of these different skills that people go and do an MBA or whatever for. And all of those things need to come together to make a business actually last. So I, I say revenue is proof of concept. Profit is proof of competence. Right. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And the thing I would add from the marketing perspective is like marketing is not sales. Those are two different things. Marketing is bringing someone to the door and the salesperson takes them across the finish line. And there's, there's always a tension between marketing people and salespeople. We brought the leads. Well, the leads aren't high quality enough. They're hard to convert. It's like, well, you know, and everybody's got metrics that are kind of competing with each other. Somebody has to give a bit. That's probably one of the things that I find frustrating is if, if somebody says, well, we don't have any sales. It's like, so you don't even prove a salesperson can sell them. Because yep. if you have some sales and you just want to scale, it's like, okay, well, you've at least proven that people want this so we can scale it. Like, I can't fix your business for you just with a marketing campaign. Like, all so, we can do so, is spread the word effectively. Yep. So marketing <laughs> is not sales and sales is not profit. Right, right, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. I've been uh, I've been watching a lot of Kitchen Nightmares lately. So yeah, just constantly Gordon Ramsay telling people that their their books aren't balanced. And why do you have twelve staff and like three customers here? You know exactly. So it's a it's a full package, and that's the reason why many businesses fail because they may have a great idea, they may even have great sales, but if they don't know how to manage the whole business, then they can fail. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? And think about that 16-year-old, that 18-year-old, that young person out there that says, I got, I got, this is it. I'm devoted my life to this. Right. So, so what we're talking about is a mindset shift to trust other people. And if you've grown up in a nowhere town like I do, like I, this is not entrepreneurial people I'm surrounded by, <laughs> right? So especially as a young person, like you have wacky ideas that are dumb and maybe there's a seed of one of those ideas is actually really brilliant and you can feel it inside of yourself, but then people, don't, they don't really react poorly. So like if someone's very young, then you need to find a way to shift your mindset so that you can trust other people. Like for me in music, like it's like people are precious about their art, right? And it's like, I talk to people, I get advice. I hate all the advice and it's stupid. What it took for me was to hire a professional and pay someone who's done dozens of albums, who has some experience. And now I trusted their opinion. And now it's a case. Other people have something to offer, even your precious darlings that you don't want to like, maybe you need to cut these. So if you inherently don't trust other people, like I, yeah, that's a foundational yep. thing to start with. And you probably have a good reason not to trust people, but there are people who are worth trusting listening. First, believe in that. Mm-hmm. And then find that person. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, who do I know that I kind of trust their opinion? And chances are that person will be more tempered than the like arrogant, uh, like annoying people who just can't wait to give you their opinion. The, but the one thing you can do if you can deal with that mindset thing is find a way to test for you. I love Facebook ads. I recommend learning like just a very, very basic. Anybody who's an entrepreneur, who's a business person, like it is not technical. Anybody can run an ad and you can run an ad for like five bucks. Yep. And, and just run a few ideas and compare them. Just put some text in there. Don't worry too much about it. Because if you made a mistake, you probably made a mistake on all five ideas. So they're still relative to each other and you can still make some judgments on them. Beautiful. <laughs> so find a way that works to test for you. Nobody will do this and it will benefit you more than almost anything that you can do in, in business, I think, because then you don't go down those dead paths. I have a little story about this. My best friend who runs our coffee business in Thailand Dale, he, he's a drummer. 
And I think I see something behind you of some instruments. But Dale is a drummer and he's played in a jazz band, a jazz trio. And he was, you know, enjoying it and all that. But he hired a friend of ours named Bob King, who's a really amazing piano player and just eccentric guy. And he hired, it's not that he hired him, but he asked him, Bob, could you come and just listen to me one day and then give me your feedback? And Bob said, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot, that's a challenge right there, you know? And so Bob listened to him and then he basically sat down with Dale and he just said one thing. He said, you're not taking any risk. Right, right, yeah. This and is and the audience knows it. And right. therefore you're not bringing your personality to the audience. You're not bringing something special to the audience and you're just not taking any risk. And it blew right, Dale yeah. away. He became a much better drummer. And he realized that just that one little piece of advice by trusting someone else just totally changed the way he played and the way he expressed himself through his instrument. Yeah, like they don't need to be an expert either. Like I have made huge arrangement decisions because somebody who is just a layman, oh, this is how it makes me feel. Like maybe don't interpret the person's prescription for what should be fixed but like listen to the way people are feeling because it means something like I was always taught that if a customer complains about your business it's because they care and they want it to improve yep like don't sit there getting mad at somebody who's like whatever like be like okay like what are you what's the truth that you're saying about how we should improve things and and embrace the listening process yeah dude listening is like you know i'm a terrible listener but i've become much much better in the past five years all right (laughs) last question what's your number one goal for the next 12 months honestly it's a pretty boring it's a pretty boring thing is like i just want to double revenue and i want to do it no teeth grinding no white knuckling like something that just kind of honors myself as a human being like i've done I've done the grinding my teeth to dust. I've been like, I'm just going to output. I'm just going to produce this. And it's like, I think that, I think that a lot of people can do that to do that. Well, like keeping your sanity, like, and like just like being it. healthy, you know, because yep. like, I think that your mind will take it out on you. It will age you. I, like mm-hmm. I've lost more hair in the last three years. Like you just, <laughs> yep. Yep. you know, you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's not sustainable, even though like you see examples of people and you think it's sustainable. And I don't think you, you have to find a way to reconcile that and wake up and be happy to be happy to be alive. And, and that's a, you know, I think that's a challenge, especially, especially right now. This is a, a very trying time. I don't know, this may be the strong time that the hard time that makes strong men. It's hard to tell or women uh, or, dis- but, um, or it destroys them. Yeah. It's yes. hard to tell. Yep. <laughs> All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals to claim your discount on my How to Start Building Your Wealth Investing in the Stock Market course. As we conclude, Andrew, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Get testing. Boom. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.